Yeah, let's give Kristen a hand, show our appreciation. I'm so grateful for her sharing her story. She uh, prayed and, and she didn't get the answer that she hoped for, uh, but she stayed faithful to prayer and prayer uh, strengthened her. And she takes great comfort knowing that her husband is in, is in heaven, uh, healed by uh, God. Uh, prayer, has, prayer always has incredible value. Prayer always uh, helps us. And I hope her story inspires us to just elevate the importance of prayer in our lives and in our church. That's what this series is about. So uh, welcome, uh, everybody. Uh, welcome to River Glen. Good to see you uh, today. Uh, welcome everybody here in Waukesha, everybody over in Pewaukee, and those of you joining us online. Uh, great, to, great to be with you. Great to have you with us. Today is week two of our series on prayer called Moving Mountains. Last week, we challenged everybody to pray a bold prayer for one concern in your life that you can't seem to do anything about, we challenge one another to pick a mountain-sized problem and uh, write it down and then pray every single day for 21 uh, days. And uh, if you missed a day, you know, don't worry about it. Jump back in and keep uh, praying. You can see the many uh, prayer requests, hundreds of uh, prayer requests people wrote down on cards last weekend and pinned them on the uh, mountains uh, by the walls. And I want to invite you, if you weren't here last weekend, come down front afterward. We've got cards at the mountains and write down your prayer request and pin it on the mountain. We had a bunch of people last night that uh, added their prayer uh, to the, the wall. What is something in your life that is a concern? And I mean a big problem, a mountain-sized problem, and you feel powerless to do anything uh, about it. The idea for this series comes from the words of Jesus to his first followers in Matthew chapter 17. Truly I tell you, he says, if you have faith as small as a mustard seed, you can say to this mountain, move from here to there, and it will move. Nothing will be impossible for you. Now, maybe some of us have started praying and actually heard from God uh, this week, uh, which, which is, is great. But uh, then, you know, the rest of us are just still waiting for our mountain to move. And maybe we feel unsure. You know, we wonder, will God move our mountain? Will he say no? Will he say not now? You know, will we hear from God? Will God actually say anything at all? And so today, I want to share with you four lessons from the life of a great leader in Scripture by the name of Samuel to help us learn how to hear from God. I want to give you a heads up, though, because today's lessons, I think, are, are going to stretch you to think outside the box when it comes to prayer. Sometimes thinking outside uh, the box helps us to hear from God through uh, prayer. You've probably heard this phrase, think outside the box. It's commonly used. But do you know where this phrase comes from? It actually comes from this puzzle right here. It's called the nine-dot puzzle. In fact, we put it on the back of your outline. If you want to go ahead and take that out and flip over to the back side, you can go ahead and try it on your own. Here's what you do. You want to you connect all nine dots using four straight lines or fewer without lifting your pen off the uh, paper or retracing any of the uh, lines. We get that phrase, think outside the box, from this uh, puzzle right here. And that phrase, we use it to mean uh, thinking freely, thinking creatively, off the beaten path. Sometimes we get stuck in a problem, and it really helps to think outside the box. Sometimes in my own life, I feel stuck when it comes to prayer. My prayers can start to feel routine. My prayers can feel redundant and predictable. And so occasionally, I need to think outside the box when it comes to prayer to refresh and inspire my prayer life because I want to pray, and I know you do too, mountain-moving 
uh, prayers. And so uh, let me show you how to solve uh, this uh, puzzle. Hopefully I'll get this right. Let's see. One, two, three, four. There you go. See, you go outside the box to solve that, that uh, puzzle. And today's story from the scriptures is going to challenge us to think outside the box when it comes to prayer. Because this story raises several questions, four questions like this one right here. Does God ever make deals with people? And then does God still speak to people today? Can you pressure God into doing something he would really rather not do? And then can you unintentionally block God from moving your mountain? All right, let's start with that first question. Does God ever make deals with people? Anybody, anybody ever tried to make a deal with God? You know, God, if you just help me out of this jam, you know, I'll never miss church again. I'll, uh, I'll, I'll, I'll read my Bible until the pages uh, fall out. God, if you would line me, just line me up with this girl or this guy. God, if you would land this customer. God, if you would do this. You ever tried this? Or am I the only one? Uh, there's, a, there's a scene, in a, in, in a uh, classic scene in a movie about this. It's a uh, comedy, an old comedy. It's called The End with uh, Burt Reynolds. He's swimming for his life, and uh, he's, he's far from the shore. He doesn't think he can make it, and so he's desperate, and he starts praying. And he tries to make a deal with God. He says, God, I want to live. I want to live. Help me, Lord, please. Save me, and I'll be a better father. I'll be a better man. I'll be a better everything. He says, God, I'll keep all ten of the Ten Commandments. And he starts listing them, but he can only remember two. And he says, God, I'll learn the Ten Commandments. He says, God, just get me back to the beach, and I'll be honest in business. God, help me make it, and I'll give you 50% of everything I make. 50%, God. I want to point out nobody gives 50%. And then he swims, and he gets closer to the shore, and he says, I think I'm going to make it. You won't regret this, Lord. I'm going to start donating 10% right now. I know I said 50%, but I'm going to start with 10%. Lord, if you don't want your 10%, you don't have to take it. And he gets to the shore, and he just forgets about all the promises that he made. And, you know, that's the problem with uh, these kinds of uh, deals. Uh, when we get what we want, it's easy to forget our promises. But what does the Bible say? Does God ever cut deals with people? Does God ever make deals the Bible says sometimes he does. No kidding. And I bring this up because the man whose life we're going to talk about today was conceived after his mother made a deal with God. In the Old Testament, we read about this woman named Hannah. She has a fertility problem, and it breaks her heart. And she is desperate. Look at what Hannah says. This comes right out of the scripture. Hannah says to God, if you'll look upon my sorrow and answer my prayer and give me a son... Then I will give him back to you. He will be yours for his entire lifetime. Hannah promises God, if you give me a son, I'll give him back to your service for the rest of his life. I mean, that's a big promise. It's a very unselfish promise. God, please give me a child. And I want a child so badly that I will give him back to you for the rest of his uh, life. So that's her deal, okay? God thinks about it. And then look at what happens next. The Lord remembered her. Hannah conceives and gives birth to Samuel. And when he's old enough, she, she brings him to the temple, presents him to the priest named Eli, and he spends pretty much the rest of his life in service at the temple. Now, Hannah, as his mother, would come and visit him once in a while. But she followed through on her part of the deal 
And Samuel lives this high-impact life. I'm going to tell you more about his life. But when you think about it, it all came from this prayer deal that Hannah made with God. Now, there are many places in Scripture where people uh, try to make deals with God, and he won't deal. But there are a few places where people deal with God, and he deals. Reminds me of my uh, uncle, uh, Gary, uh, Gary Layden. He passed away a few years ago at the age of 80. For the first half of his life, he really, uh, he was always honest, known as honest, but he didn't prioritize church or following uh, Jesus. But then Gary had a life-changing moment back in 1985, kind of like the Burt Reynolds uh, near-death moment. One morning, he's driving to work in Milwaukee at uh, Allen Bradley, and he's having chest pain. And the pain goes down his arm, drives himself to the emergency room at St. Luke's Hospital. They tell him he's having a heart attack. And it's serious. And they admit him and tell him he's going to need open-heart bypass surgery. And then during his hospitalization, a local pastor visited him. And Gary began opening up his life to God. Gary said he made a deal with God from his hospital bed. He said, God, if you get me through this heart surgery, I'm in. I'm going to follow Jesus and, and start going to church. And very often people make these kinds of deals, and then when they get better, they forget about their promises. But not Gary. After his heart surgery, he got baptized and started following Jesus, and he attended church for the rest of his life. In fact, not just attending church, Gary and his wife, my Aunt Kathleen, served on the launch team that helped start River Glen back in 1997. I had a really hard time finding people to volunteer and help. I don't know what we would have done without Gary and Kathleen uh, volunteering and helping. But it goes back to this prayer deal that he made with God. And so here's the lesson, if there is one for you, because uh, this, is, this is outside the box. This is not the normal pattern for everyday uh, prayer. This applies more to desperate situations. But God has been known in Scripture to make some deals. And if you're desperate enough, and no human help is available, and there's something on your heart so strong that you want God uh, to do, my humble counsel, take your chances and try to cut a deal. If you're led this way, have at it. This is between you and God. All right, here's the second question. Does God still speak to people today? This one's outside the, the box because we tend to think of prayer as one way. We do the talking, God listens, we make our requests, and hopefully God grants those. But this story about Samuel is going to show us prayer is actually a two-way conversation. Now, there's this amazing scene that takes place when Samuel is about 13 uh, years old. Maybe we've got some 13-year-olds in, in the room here. If, if you're in middle school, listen up. You're about the same age as Samuel. And God does something amazing in his, his, his life. Remember, Samuel lives in the temple with the uh, older priest named Eli. Here's what happens. Samuel lays down for bed one night, and he hears a noise. He, hears, he thinks it's a voice, and uh, he, he says, uh, hey, Eli, what'd you say? Eli says, I didn't say anything. Go back to bed, Samuel, and this happens three times. On the third time, Eli says to Samuel, hey, maybe God is trying to speak to you, 13-year-old kid, and Eli says to Samuel, go back, and the next time you hear voices, just say these words right here, speak, Lord, your servant is listening. So 13-year-old Samuel crawls back in bed. He hears what, what he thought were voices or noises or something, and he says, speak, Lord, 
your servant is listening. This time he, he intentionally listens for God and God speaks to him and gives him a very important message to give to Eli the next day, which he does. Now maybe you're sitting here thinking, well, that's great. Samuel heard the audible voice of God, but I've never heard God audibly speak to me. I wish God would speak to me like that. And honestly, I've never heard God speak to me through an audible voice either. But I fully believe that God speaks to every one of us. In in fact, we have an advantage. Uh, We have an advantage in our lives today that Samuel didn't have back then. Because it wasn't until after Jesus died and resurrected and ascended to heaven that God sent the Holy Spirit to come and live inside every Jesus follower. And it makes sense, doesn't it? If God lives inside of us, that God would, would speak to us. And God would lead our lives through his presence in our life, through the Holy Spirit. And so I want to challenge you as we continue this 21-day prayer challenge. Don't just tell God what you want him to do. Open your, open your life to hear from God. Expect to hear from God. Here's some of the ways that God does speak to us today. First, I think we can hear through, from God through new thoughts. God will inject, interject new thoughts through the Holy Spirit into our minds. And so maybe you're having a conversation, maybe it's an argument with a friend or with your spouse, and it starts to escalate, and you're about ready to think you've won this argument, and the Holy Spirit just interjects a thought and a prompting to say something that'll bring peace to the relationship and to the situation. Or maybe you feel stuck in a problem. Maybe you got this big mountain, mountain-sized problem in your life, and God interjects New thoughts to help you see it from a a new perspective in a new light that gives you hope. Or maybe God interjects new thoughts that give you encouragement. Or maybe they guide you to solve the problem. God interjects new thoughts. Here's another way that we hear from God today. God speaks to us through prompts to act. Sometimes God will nudge you, prompt you to do something that you never would have done on your own, whether it's starting a conversation with a stranger, or maybe it's paying the bill for the people in the drive-thru behind you, or making a phone call to an old friend you haven't spoken to for years. God prompts us to act in ways that help bring his love and healing into the world around us. Or maybe you've got a family member, maybe a son, a daughter, a co-worker, a neighbor, a colleague at work, and God puts them on your mind from time to time, and you think to yourself, wouldn't it be great if they invited Jesus into their life? Maybe that's God whispering and nudging you to reach out and invite them to come to church and hear about Jesus. That's how most people start following Jesus. Do what God prompts you to do. Let them say, let them say no for themselves. You just make sure you say your yes to God. Another way that we hear from God, I think, is through unprompted confirmations. You ever have this happen? Sometimes this can almost feel spooky. God provides confirmation of what he's been telling you to do, uh, like, like changing jobs or moving or volunteering in a ministry, and God uses other people to say or do something to confirm what you thought God wanted you to do without you saying anything to them about what you were thinking of. Those are just some of the ways that God speaks to us today. And, and by the way, Hearing from God is, is not an exact science. I mean, I, 
I get confused sometimes. I think God's leading me, and it was just some bad pizza from last night. So be careful and make sure that the leading that you think came from God, that you're thinking about doing, aligns with Scripture. Run it by some other people who love Jesus and love you, and maybe they can help interpret it. But my point, God speaks to every one of us, just like he spoke to Samuel. All right, next question. Can you pressure God into doing something that he would really rather not do? That's outside the box, isn't it? Can you pester God? Can you bang on heaven's door and, and get God to do something that he really would rather not do? Well, later on in Samuel's life, some leaders come to him. Some leaders of Israel come to him and they plead with him. They say, appoint a king to lead us such as all the other nations have. Now, just a little theological uh, point here. Uh, Israel was known as a theocracy, not a democracy, not a monarchy, not a republic, but a theocracy. A theocracy means that God led the nation of Israel through priests and prophets and judges. And so the nation of Israel was very different from the na other nations because they were a theocracy. But the people of Israel were like, theocracy isn't cool. You know, we wish we had a king like all the other nations around us. Kings are cool. Even though they had a special relationship with God, they wanted someone who physically wore a crown. And so they come to Samuel and they just demand a king. And Samuel's not happy about their request. And God is grieved by it. God says to Samuel, give the people this message. Kings are not cool. A king will impose heavy taxes a king will look out for his own interests, not, not the people's. A king will turn the people into slaves. God says, don't go down this road. Uh, kings are human beings, and they are always corrupt to some degree. But the people don't listen. The people persist and say, we want a king over us. Then, we will, and then we'll be like all the other nations with a king to lead us and, and go out before us and, and fight our battles. But God says, I don't want you to be like all the other nations. You're a special nation. Special people, I want to bless the world through you. But the people insist we want a king. And so look at what God says to Samuel after they keep demanding. The Lord answered, listen to them and give them a king. And so Samuel goes out and he anoints Saul as the first king. And guess what happened? Saul turned out to be a bad king. Look at this verse. The Lord regretted that he had made Saul king over Israel. That's, a, that's a, a fascinating verse, a surprising verse, isn't it? That is God unboxed. You ever heard the expression, be careful what you ask for? Sometimes parents will use this phrase when they're frustrated with a child who keeps asking for the wrong thing. Sometimes a child who is smart and persistent and demanding, a, a parent realizes, you know, the only way to teach that child is to give the child what they're asking for so that they can learn on the backside from the consequences. Sometimes consequences are the best teacher. And sometimes God will concede to our begging and our pleading and our demanding to show us on the backside that what we wanted was not best for us. You ever wanted something uh, so, so badly that you found a way to get it? And then later on you wonder, why did I want that uh, so badly? This goes back many years, but I can remember graduating college, and I got my first full-time uh, job, and uh, I really wanted a car. I wanted a, a new 
uh, car. I, I started getting a salary. I think they paid me about $300 a, 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 a week. And uh, I was 22 years old. I just felt rich. You know, I got all this money. What am I going to do with this? And so I wanted a, a car, not a used car. No, no, no. I wanted a new car. And so I went to the dealership and I found this Chevy that I really liked. It was a Chevy uh, Nova. And I, and I bought it and uh, it was a good car. But it came with a payment book. And the uh, payment book was like about that, about th that thick, you know. And uh, I enjoyed the car, but that payment book became like a ball and chain <laughs> for me. And in, in fact, at one point, I looked for a second job uh, to make the payments. Sometimes you find a way to get what you want, and then you wonder, why did I want that so badly? Here's the point. It's important to pray and boldly ask God to move our mountains. God invites you to pray with passion and persistence, and sometimes God will move your mountain. But at the end of your prayer, after you tell God what you want, add a P.S. to your prayer and say, but God, but God, your thoughts are higher than my thoughts. Your ways are higher than my ways. And you know what's best for me. God, I love you and I trust you. And if you choose not to move this mountain right now, I trust you know what is best and there's a good reason. God, your will be done. That's how Jesus prayed the model prayer, the Lord's prayer. He said, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. It's important to have a posture of submission in prayer. God, I want you to move this mountain, but if you don't, I submit to you, and I trust you. I recommend you add that P.S. at the end of your prayers. All right, one more question. Can you unintentionally block God from moving your mountain. Near the end of uh, Samuel's life, he says something remarkable. He was this great leader for many years in Israel. And uh, these are the words of Samuel. As for me, I am old and gray, and my sons are here uh, with you. I've been your leader from my youth until this day. Here I stand. Testify against me in the presence of the Lord and his anointed. Look at this. Whose ox have I taken? Whose donkey have I taken? Whom have I cheated? Whom have I oppressed? From whose hand have I accepted a bribe to, take me, uh, to make me shut my eyes? If I've done any of these things, I will make it right. Those are powerful words. He examines himself. He examines his heart and his behavior. He says, if I've wronged anybody, if I've cheated any, anybody, I'm not going to hide it. I'm not going to blame it. I take responsibility for it. And he says, I will make it right. I will make amends. I will make restitution. And this kind of reflection and self-examination, I think, is outside the box. Because we tend to think, you know, if I just pray for the right thing at the, at the right time, God will say yes. But there's actually much more involved in hearing from God through prayer. For example, did you know that you can pray for the right mountain at the right time, but if you have the wrong motives, if you have selfish motives, it might block God from moving your mountain. James says, when you ask, you do not receive because you ask with wrong motives that you may spend what you get on your pleasures. In other words, if I ask God, God, help me, uh, help me reach my financial goal, but my motive is personal pleasure rather than good stewardship or generosity, I, my, I might block God from moving that mountain. Or if I pray, God, change this other person, but my motive is not genuine concern for that person, 
I want that other person to accommodate my desires, God may say no. Powerful, mountain-moving prayer always has pure motives. That's why we need to examine ourselves like Samuel uh, did. Here's another barrier, broken relationships. Jesus said, if you're offering your gift at the altar and there remember that your brother has something against you, leave your gift there in front of the altar. First go and be reconciled to your brother and then come and offer your gift. And, and so if you're at odds with someone, Jesus has put off worship. Go and reconcile with that person and then come back to worship and give God your offering. So if we engage in ongoing conflict with, with a spouse, a family member, a friend, a neighbor, a colleague at work, maybe somebody else at church, I don't think we can expect to worship and pray effectively. Now, it's not always possible to resolve conflicts and restore harmony, but we have to make sure that we do our part and that we do our best to make peace. And this scripture gets even more personal with husbands. This might surprise you. Take a look at this, this next verse here. Treat your wife. Husbands, treat your wife with understanding as you live together. She may be weaker than you are, but she is your equal partner in God's gift of new life. Treat her as you should. Look at this. So your prayers will not be hindered. Peter says, husbands, if you're not getting along with your wife, it's not likely God will answer your prayers. If we're not listening to her and treating her with patience and love and tenderness, we can't expect God to treat us with those qualities. And, and notice something, God puts it on the husband to make this right. Husbands, it's our responsibility to make this right. Another barrier is uncaring attitudes. Proverbs 21 says, if a man shuts his ears to the cry of the poor, he too will cry out and not be answered. One time the prophet Isaiah told the nation of Israel why God was not answering their prayers. He, he said, is it not to share uh, your food with the hungry and to provide the poor wanderer with shelter when you see the naked to clothe them and, and not to turn away from your own flesh and blood? Then you will call and the Lord will answer. You will cry for help and he will say, here I am. If we respond compassionately to the needs of the poor and the disadvantaged and the forgotten, it's, it's more likely that God will answer our prayers and, and meet our needs. Last Friday night, I stopped by uh, Night to Shine here at the uh, church, and it just blew me away. I just felt so proud of our church. It's like a free prom for anyone with special needs. Uh, many special needs people, I mean, never even have the opportunity to attend an event like this. I walked around, I just thought, way to go, uh, River Glen. This just has Jesus all over it. We do it to show God's love. That's the primary purpose. That's our goal. But you know what? It's also healthy for our hearts and our relationships with God. I'm grateful to be part of a generous church that just cares about all people. One more barrier to prayer is unconfessed sin. David wrote, if I had ignored my sins, the Lord would not have listened to me. Isaiah the prophet said, your sins have hidden his face from you so that he will not here. It's when we humble ourselves and we open up every area of our, of our life and we surrender to God's leadership that we have complete confidence that he will answer our, our prayers. And so here's what I'd like to do before I pray and, and before I, I share a communion, before we share a communion, I want you to look at all four of these, of these uh, barriers that can block God from moving our, our mountain because this is a great time in our service when we get ready to share communion. 
to do some self-examination like Samuel did and see if we have put up any of these barriers to God. The good news is if we, if we have put up any of these barriers, they can come down right now. They can come down today. This is one reason why we share communion each uh, weekend and why we open it up to anybody who follows uh, Jesus, anyone who says yes to Jesus, not just to remember his sacrifice on the cross uh, for our sins. The bread represents his, his body. The juice represents his blood that was shed for us, but to also take some time for self-examination and even confession to God. And God promises to cleanse and forgive us. But before we go to God in prayer and communion, maybe there's some things that we need to make right with each other. You know, Jesus' death on the cross makes us right with God, but we still have to take responsibility and make things right with each other. Maybe before the sun goes down today, maybe you need to call somebody and apologize. Maybe you borrowed something or took something and you need to return it because it's not yours. Maybe you need to reimburse your company for some expenses. Would you examine yourself and see if you've put up any of these barriers that need to come down uh, today because life will get much sweeter and prayers will be much more powerful and effective if we make things right. Let me pray for us and then we'll pass communion. God, thank you for this amazing gift of prayer. Thank you for making a way for us to communicate directly and personally to you through Jesus and what he did for us on the cross. God, thank you for the amazing life of Samuel and the way that his story, I think, stretches us to elevate prayer in our lives and in our church. Help us apply these, these lessons that we've learned today. And God, I pray especially for those of us that, that need to make something right today. Help us to examine ourselves and identify what barrier might be blocking our prayers today. And give us the courage and fortitude to make it right. And God, I want to lift up the hundreds of, of prayer requests on the mountains. Many of us feel burdened and overwhelmed by a problem. God, I ask you to move these mountains and do what only you can do. But God, if you choose not to move a mountain, God, we love you and we trust you. And we submit to your leadership and it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.